Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. And welcome back to The Scoop. We are the cricket podcast dedicated to the women's game. LJ, the first weekend of WBBL 07 is all wrapped up. And on this week's episode, we spoke to Sophie Devine a couple of weeks ago when she was in quarantine. So Sophie was the hero of the super over for the Scorchers, of course. And then we've got Kristen Beams, our expert commentator, to help us wrap up all the action. LJ, classic WBBL, waking up on Saturday morning and still not having confirmation that the matches were even going ahead because... Can you believe it? There was a lockdown in Hobart. Yeah, just unbelievable. Haven't had a lockdown before. No cases. Of course, this happens when the WBBL starting, but amazing news that the Tassie government and CA were able to work together and got the games to go ahead. No crowd, sadly, but epic five games of cricket um, already done and dusted this season. Absolutely. And it was nearly the rain. It was nearly the lockdown, but it was, yeah, it was great to see some cricket back and excellent to get confirmation uh, today that, Hobart is actually coming out of their three-day snap lockdown. So crowds will be welcomed back to Blunston Arena and Utah Stadium. So make sure you get along to those matches if you're down in Tassie and, and enjoy the cricket. But for now, here's Beamsy followed by Sophie Devine. Kristen Beams, welcome back to The Scoop. Beamsy, we're one weekend down and we've already had a lockdown and a super over. So it looks like we're in for yet another eventful season of WBBL. Beamsy, you're in Hobart. So firstly, Give us a sense of how this lockdown all went down with the league and when the teams got the all clear to play on Saturday. Were you always confident that it was going to happen? Hey, guys. Uh, no, I wasn't because <laughs> we like to take things very seriously down here in Tasmania because we never have any cases. So um, I wasn't really aware as I was in the supermarket uh, that we were going into a lockdown, but I'm really glad that we did get some cricket. And I think the right thing prevailed. And um, I thought the weather was going to be the issue. Then I thought it was going to be COVID. And in the end, we saw some really good cricket, which I think we were all just waiting for. And there were some brilliant catches that have people talking about the catch of the tournament already with Bridget Patterson, Radha Yadav and Alana King. Did any of those stand out to you as a favourite this weekend? I think the Patterson one, but I think... It's a great catch and, and we saw that Ash Gardner actually carried one over that went for six because that's how difficult it actually is. That It's actually easier to catch it over the boundary line and it'd still be a great catch but be six runs. So I think the fact that she was able to not only take that catch but it was also just how laid back she was about the whole thing. It was as if like she just does that over and over and over and I think it just gave the sense that it was an easy catch. But I think when you really slow that down and watch it, 
I think I don't think we'll see a better catch in the whole of the summer than that Bridget Patterson catch. Huge call. Beamsy, if it was you taking that catch, do you reckon you'd have a bit of a bit more of a celebration than Bridget? Well, I wouldn't have caught it. Um, it definitely would have gone for six. I would have dropped it over the boundary line for six, first and foremost. But if I had have caught it, I'd still be running laps around Blunder yeah. Arena right now. As anyone should be, as anyone should be. And Beamsy, so from a, a team or a performance perspective, was there any any major surprises that really stood out to you from the opening couple of matches? There was only a few things for me because I think um, I think we saw some really, really good cricket and some things that probably we expected. But I really liked Lily Mills from the Scorchers. I think she was a really good addition to their lineup. We saw her take pace off the ball and just a genuine off spinner. And I think she'll add a lot there. I thought that Ruth Johnston opening the batting for the Hurricanes was probably a surprise to a lot of people that um, that hadn't heard of her. And both of those two girls are actually young Queensland players. So it just goes to show how good that heat lineup has been, that they probably haven't found their way into that team. And I really liked Ellen Falconer as an, as an opening bowling combination with Holly Furling at the Renegades. So I think they were probably some things that people didn't expect. They weren't big surprises because I think they're young, talented players that did a really good job. And the other one that was just my sneaky little one was actually the power hitting from Elise Villani with that little front foot that hovers and then she slams it down um, and was hitting with really good power at the back end. And we, we heard her talk a little bit about that and, and the influence of, of Dan Marsh and that Tigers program. So I think they were probably the things that caught me a little bit by surprise, but I think some exciting things to start in the, in the week one of WBBL. And so the first time we want to look into more closely at the Sixers, they're two from two, got a bit of a spring in their step already. How, what are your thoughts on how they've approached things and reshaped their batting order? I think we haven't even seen anywhere near their best cricket, which is very scary for every team that, that hasn't played them yet. I liked the combination that they've got. I think they have the ability to actually be really flexible within that lineup. And I think that's because of having Perry, Bolton, reeks in that middle order I think they can do it any which way I hope they stick with the Verma Healy combination throughout the whole tournament just because I think it's really exciting for for fans to see that but I think they can move it around from Gardner downwards um, and come up with any combination so I, I think they look they are the they on paper they look the best team in the competition for mine and I think we saw that even though they did, at times didn't play their best cricket that they're still getting over the line so when they play their best cricket I think it's going to be a really long three hours or so for, for opposition teams. Good shot, Beamsy. And there was a lot of talk leading into this tournament tournament about Shafali Verma, and we did see glimpses of brilliance from the young Indian star across the weekend. So between the run out on Thursday night and her first half century of uh, the tournament on Sunday, and you sort of get the sense that she's just heating up and maybe like the Sixers, we haven't seen the best of her yet. Yeah, and I think she might be very similar to other international players that we've seen come into the WBBL in the sense that they actually play their best cricket when they're playing WBBL. Um, I think we've seen some other players like Adane Van Niekerk, a cat, they really shine when they come into the WBBL. And I think we'll see the same from Burma. I think when you've got players like Elisa Healy, Ash Gardner, Elise Perry around mm. you, I think when when you have that, it, it allows you to play with a bit more freedom. So for yeah. Shivali Verma, she can just take the handbrake off and, and go for a life in that Sixers lineup and really just have um, some free-flowing cricket about her. And I loved the run out. I think it seems like both of the Indian players in that team look like they're really enjoying themselves. And why wouldn't you? You're in a yeah. star-studded Sydney Sixers lineup. It must be great fun for them. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I reckon those Indians, they've sort of really added like an X factor to the tournament. I mean, Richard Gosh is currently leading the runs tally. Poonam was in the wickets. Yes, Radha's catch. It seems like they've just added a real level of excitement to the tournament. Yeah, and I hope that from a BCCI point of view that they go, wow, there's real value in sending our players out here to play in this competition because I think the more that 
internationally, we can carve the, the WBBL window and just leave that open as a space and allow every international player to play in it. Imagine if we had the England players as well. I mean, I think <laughs> that would be amazing to watch. So hopefully it, it's a really good sign for the future and we'll see more Indian players play in, in this competition because I still think there's a few that could have genuinely played uh, in this competition as well. Um, so I think there's a, still a few missing, so look out. And onto the Hurricanes, who you gave an A-plus for their recruitment over the off-season. Obviously, a few didn't quite work out there with who they would have maybe hoped to open with Trenaman and Lizelle Lee. But what do you think about uh, the move to put Ruth Johnston up the top of the order there? And do you think their batting order is quite right at this point? Yeah, I think they just probably haven't clicked. I think Ruth Johnston to open the batting is actually a really good move. I think she actually set the tone in a lot of ways and, and probably takes a little bit of pressure off Rachel Priest to sort of be that player to really take it on. Um, they definitely didn't click. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think the difference probably is that is a Mignon Dupree has been so consistent over a long period of time and she hasn't found any runs yet. So all of a sudden, if she can sort of hold that middle order together a little bit more, they look like a different team. But um, they'd certainly be disappointed. Um, but with all new teams, it takes a little bit to click. I think at times we didn't see the sixes click as well as, mm-hmm. as they would have liked as well from a batting order point of view. So maybe we're underestimating a little bit. We think, well, let's just throw good players into the mix and, and we'll just see them churn out runs. So it's maybe going to take a week or so, but I think from a Hurricanes point of view, they need to get it together really quickly um, and find some runs in that middle order. But I certainly like the depth. I liked Naomi Stallenberg at six. I think it gives them some good balance at the back end of their innings. And I, I think Nicola Carey can float up and down that lineup to, to sort of make sure that they can cover any situation. So I see Nicola Carey as being really important as to what they're doing. And Molly Strano in the purple, classy as per usual. Molly had the two big wickets of Elisa Healy and Elise Terry over the weekend. And Beamsy, she's wearing your old number 26. Are you able to tell us how that came about? Yeah. I mean, who knew she was going to look good in purple? Yeah. I always thought she looked good in red and black. <laughs> she's a, she's EMP um, as, a, as a cricket club. Um, and it's a great cricket club, oldest women's club in the world. I like to always give them a pump early. So always. shout out to everyone at EMP. Hey, Reeves. Um, we love EMP. <laughs> we love it. Yeah, everyone loves EMP. So she's one of the great EMP uh, people. But she actually looks really good in the purple. Um, and she has gone with number 26. Um, she she sent me a sneaky message, which um, I think the high performance manager, Simon Inslee, was a bit surprised that uh, she said, look, I'm going to choose number 26, but can you you hang on a minute? I want to ask Beansy about it, given that I've never played for the Hobart Hurricanes <laughs> and the, the Tigers, um, that she wanted to ask permission to wear number 26, uh, to which I thought was very funny. Um, so yeah, she just said, look, I, I want to wear 26. Um, I know that's a number that you would have worn if you had the chance to play for, for either the Tigers or the Hurricanes. Um, would that be okay? I, I obviously completely humbled and, and nearly embarrassed that a, a champion player like a Molly Strano would want to wear my number and actually ask for it. Uh, so it was a really nice surprise. I think she's, it's, she's been a great addition for the Hurricanes and the Tigers. And from a personal point of view to just have her in and around Hobart, um, has been really lovely and, and back in my life again and helps look after little Billy as well. So she's Bless. she's learning how to be a, a very, very good auntie. So, um, yeah, I've got so much love for, for Molly Strano and so pleased to just see her pick up where she left off last season, taking wickets for fun and taking really important big wickets, which is what the Hurricanes need. Now, you, you mentioned Elise Villani earlier and the Melbourne Stars had a good batting innings, maybe a bit of a tough time with the ball in that first game. Very green bowling attack, particularly with Aaron Osborne out with that, that niggle. Do you think they can come together and have what it takes to threaten a good batting lineup? Yeah, I think they can. I think Osborne's a big out. I think Lindsay Smith, now that she's out of quarantine, 
is going to add a lot. I think you need to have really good spinners in WBBL cricket. So I think with the addition of those two spinners, I think it'll become a lot easier in addition to a Sophie Day, who I think's really improved seeing her come over the ball a little bit more, getting nicer shape as a, as a left arm orthodox. So I think when those two get added into the team, I think anything's possible. There's no doubt there's going to be pressure on Villani and Lanning to score the majority of the runs. But I think if they can post good runs, I think they're going to be able to defend. Um, and I think it's a real year for, for an Annabelle Sutherland who potentially could be opening the batting and the bowling. So I really feel like it could be her year. And if she can step up from a bowling point of view, it'll really help the stars go a long way in this tournament. And Beamsy, you mentioned the importance of spinners in this competition. You know, we saw Wolfie, Kingy, Poonam Yadav, Molly Strano and Jess Donison all in the wickets, all taking bags. What do you, what do you, like, why is it that spinners can have such an impact? Yeah, I think because they can actually play different roles within um, each game, which I think is really important. They can bowl in all three phases, which is, which is very, very important, but they can also complement what's happening. They can also be attacking and defensive. So at times we've seen bowlers go, the spinners go at really low economies and other mm. times really it's sort of the handbrake's been taken off and they're bowling really attacking to try and break the game open. I think they're becoming more and more important as well as we see more fast bowlers. I think when you're, when you're coming out, if you, for an example, if you're, you're facing Darcy Brown and there's lots of pace on the ball and finally you think, oh, great, there's some pace off the ball and it's Amanda Wellington, yeah. all of a sudden you're like, oh, hang on, it becomes really difficult. And so I think we're going to see batters go after spin a little bit more, which is actually going to really make the spinner's role even more important. So they're either going to go the distance or probably knock you over. And I think we've seen so far that actually pace off the ball was really difficult. And probably the wickets um, down here really suited that. I think the pitches, when you bowled a little bit slower, the ball didn't come on as much and it was a little bit more difficult. So it'd be interesting whether they still play that role when the wickets become harder and we get those real batting roads later on how important the spin will be then. And you mentioned last week that you hate bowling to Sophie Devine. She came out and got the job done for the Scorchers yesterday in the Super Over. She's got some ridiculous record in Super Overs. I think she's played in five, hit 56 runs, zero dismissals, five out of five wins. It's quite quite amazing. Um, do you think that's a real reminder um, from her to all the teams that they should be wary of the Scorchers? Yeah, absolutely. And I think... It's such a tough matchup because I think Jess Jonathan was the right person to bowl that super over. And if anyone was going to be able to defend, it was JJ. So they went with the right bowler. They bowled from the right end. But Sophie Devine is Sophie Devine. Um, and she's a very, very special cricketer. So I think it was probably good for her to get going in that super over. And I think we'll actually see her take that on. I thought Mooney was pretty good um, from a Scorchers point of view. But Sophie Devine sort of didn't really get going. And then the super over is probably going to be, you know, let the genie out of the bottle a bit. So I think look out for teams that, that come up against the Scorchers now because I think you can take a lot of momentum out of that sort of hitting. But I don't think anyone wants to bowl at Sophie Devine, so I don't think I'm in that alone. No, I don't, don't think you are, Beamsy. Beamsy, always a pleasure to chat to you on The Scoop and we can't wait for the next week of WBBL and to wrap it up all again next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. And before we get to our chat with Scorchers star Sophie Devine, we're just jumping in with a quick reminder that it's not too late to get involved in BKT, Big Bash Tipping. You can still win weekly prizes or you can just take on your friends in your own league. It's free and easy to join and it's also a lot of fun. So just head to tipping.cricket.com.au and sign in with your cricket ID to get started. 
hello and welcome to Sophie Devine, who is joining us on the scoop for the very first time. So we're very happy to have one of our favourite cricketers on the podcast. So if you're currently in quarantine after coming coming over from the UK, how are you travelling? How's everything going in quarantine? Are you happy to be back in Australia? Yeah, firstly, thanks for having me on. It's very exciting to, to debut on the scoop. Um, yeah, day 13 today. So uh, I've been very fortunate the setup I've had. I've got a treadmill and a bike in here and a, and a balcony as well. Oh, which, that's, a, that's um, a game changer. Before I... Yeah, it is. Before I came over, I was sort of really contemplating the worst that I'd be locked in some sort of box, maybe, <laughs> you know, covered under the stairs. Styles. But um, no, I've been very well looked after, but I've got to admit, I'm looking forward to some freedom. And you've played every edition of the Big Bash since its inception, I think. Was it a tough decision to come over this season knowing there's a quarantine plus a quarantine to get home to NZ at the end? Yeah, it was. It was huge. It was certainly a decision I didn't take lightly, especially, I guess, with a, a World Cup at home. Not too far away either. Uh, I guess the thing for me is I had great support for New Zealand cricket in, in this decision. Um, I know the benefit that I get from playing in this competition. I've been fortunate, as you say. I've, I've played in every, I guess, edition since it started. And, and I think the the benefits are massive for me. And, and as well, I guess, having some really strong ties to Perth as well makes it nice to be able to spend some time over there as well. It's very exciting to know that we're going to be playing some home games finally, finally. Um, for the Mighty Scorchers. <laughs> So, yeah, look, it, it's it's a tricky one because everyone's had to make sacrifices to be here. I'm, I'm not alone in that. I guess it, it does make it a bit tricky getting home. As yet, I don't have a flight home. So um, I'm continuing to, to look on the, the various websites to try and get, get home before Christmas. But, look, we'll, we'll sort of play that one out as it comes along. Nice. And so... If- Throughout your time with the Strikers and now the Scorchers, the Aussie public has just fallen in love with you. Cricket fans just love watching you play. What is it about the WBBL that you have loved playing in since since it started? And what do you love about getting back to Australia? Yeah, oh, look, I think I've been um, so well supported. I'm probably a little bit surprised that you Aussies love us Kiwis. But <laughs> no. Um, no, it's certainly nice. It's definitely a second home to me, I think culturally very similar to what it is back home so it's nice to be able to, to come over here especially you know having come across from the UK I was getting a little bit sick of the accents to be fair <laughs> so nice to be back with you nasally Australian um, but but look it is I think the actual competition itself is outstanding I think it's grown so massively even the last couple of years you know obviously coming standalone now I think it shows the growth of this tournament and, and to be uh, Part of it has been a huge honour for me and, and certainly one that I'm really humbled to, I guess, keep getting invited back. And we know Australia and New Zealand have always had a really strong rivalry. How's it been for you being part of the WBBL over the last, I guess, six, seven years now and getting to know players like Beth Mooney and Megan Shoot better off the field? Yeah, look, I wish I didn't get to know Megan <laughs> Shoot better because she's an absolute Thought you might um, say that. <laughs> no, look, yeah. But look, honestly, I think that's probably one of the, the greatest things that's come out of my time in the WBBL, absolutely cricket-wise, it's been fantastic, but it's the friendships that I know will last a hell of a lot longer than I play cricket or, you know, any of the teammates I play alongside. So that's been huge for me just to get to know people on a, on a different scale and, and, you know, it makes it interesting when we do come up against each other in World Cups or, or series. But for me, it's been the opportunity to to just share the changing room with some absolute legends of not only Australian cricket, but as well from around the world. You know, I think about some of the, the awesome overseas players we've had. It, it's pretty special to bring them all together in one team. Yeah, 100%. And so if looking back on that first season with the Scorchers, I know from our perspective, it's a bit of a blur looking back on that time in Homebush. But how do you reflect on that time, you know, coming into the team, captaining the team and all while navigating the challenges of being inside inside the hub? 
Yeah, look, it was um, certainly a very unique tournament. Um, I think for everyone, though, and I, look, I think I'm the same as you. It's hard to remember. <laughs> it was such a whirlwind sort of six weeks, whatever it was. Um, I think it was it was difficult because coming into that group in that sort of environment, you sort of have ideas of, particularly for me, of how I wanted to lead that group. And I guess there were quite a few restrictions in place. So we sort of had to pivot quite quickly in terms of what that looked like and I guess sharing a, a hotel with, what was it, 200, 300 other people? Um, certainly made for some interesting <laughs> challenges. Um, but look, it was, it was awesome. I really loved my time there and, and starting to build some really strong foundations, I think, working really closely with Shelly Nitschke is obviously one of the big draw cards as to why I went to Perth um, and also to play alongside, you know, the likes of Moons, but also some of those local players. I think of, you know, Tanil Peschel, Chloe Papara, Tilly Carmichael, like there's such a, a, a really strong bond in that WA group that has transitioned into the Perth group. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this edition of the WBBL. And just touching on Shell, what's it like working with her as a coach and, you know, what does she bring to the side? Oh, look, I, yeah, I probably can't speak highly enough of Shell. I guess I was lucky to play alongside her at the Strikers um, for a couple of years there, but also, I guess, playing against her. This is going a wee way back now and probably shows my age. But, um, oh, she is exactly as you'd think she is, how she comes across. She's so calm and collected and always so level-headed. But she's got that rugged um, sort of mongrelness about her, which I really like. Um, you know, that when it when it comes to a scrap, that she's probably going to be the first run in there, which, you know, I, I really appreciate that. So, look, I think she's going from strength to strength as well as a coach. I know that she was pretty nervous um, heading into her first head coach role and I think she's done a fabulous job and I think her experience with the Aussie setup, um, we're only benefiting from that, I guess, in the, in the Perth stuff. So, look, I've got a great relationship with her, which I, I think helps. I think captain and coach have to be really on the same page and, and we are very often on the same page. Yeah, nice. And looking ahead, Sophie, you and Shell have done a, a very good job of putting together a very strong looking list for WBBL 07. Firstly, Marazan Cap, one of the fastest bowlers in the world, also one of the scariest. How are you looking forward to um, playing alongside Marazan? And did you know did you know her well at all before before this? Um, oh, bits and pieces. I think we've probably played against each other for, for long periods of time, actually, uh, with her at South Africa and, and in the WBBO as well. Um, and she, she's certainly one of the most feared bowlers, feared players going around, not only what she can do with the ball, but also the desk. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, she, a couple of wickets in itself, I think. Um, but look, I, I'm extremely excited to be able to play alongside her. I think um, the class that she brings in terms of her ability to perform at in all situations, in all conditions, I think, you know, she's played around the world. She's so well experienced that I think it's going to be a huge benefit to, to this group and, and helping lead that bowling group. And you've also recruited Sri Lanka captain Shamari Athabadu, who is, we know, one of the biggest hitters in the world. She loves batting in Australia. It's a pretty handy top order. How are you going to figure out where everyone fits in there? Yeah, look, I, um, I'm stoked to have Marv on board. We actually played together a couple of years ago in, in Yorkshire, actually, and, and it was nice to sort of form a relationship there. And, and that's sort of the biggest benefit I spoke about earlier in terms of those relationships you build. And, you know, for her to come into this group, hopefully I can sort of bring a sense of comfort that, you know, we, we've played together before. And she is, she's so exciting. Her, her record in Australia is phenomenal. Um, I'm really looking forward to her, you know, getting the old shirt on the back celebration, raising the bat. Um so it is, it's going to be a, a really tricky one for us, I guess, to pick 
our batting order. But the great thing is we've got options there. We've got plenty of talent throughout, not just, I guess, the the international and overseas players, but also the local players. You know, Chloe Papara was outstanding last year coming up, you know, filling that number three spot when Jonesy unfortunately missed out with injury. So, look, I think that's what you want. You want players that can adapt and adjust and, and play in any positions and perform. Yeah, 100%. And another player that you've lured out west is Alana King. Have you played much with Kingy before and what do you reckon she's going to bring to the group? No, I haven't. I've, I've been lucky to, to spend a little bit of time when I was in Perth earlier this year and, and she's certainly a character and brings a lot of energy, which I think is, again, a really important thing in these sort of tournaments is, is you turn to the people that, that bring the fizz and, and she certainly doesn't lack fizz, which, <laughs> which is great. And I think her tournament last year was outstanding I know she got me out a couple of times so that's actually the real reason um, that we got her across <laughs> nice. because I didn't want to get out to her anymore um, <laughs> but look she, she was fantastic she's a, a real impact player with bat and ball which you know I think you talk to to any teams around the world a leg spinner in the T20 game is a real attacking weapon so I'm really looking forward to seeing the damage that she can cause out west and for the first time since you joined the Scorchers you're going to actually get to play in Perth, in front of the home fans. Are you looking forward to that? Oh, absolutely. We were actually joking about it the other day on a, a team Zoom that Shelley Nitschke might be the only coach that has ever coached a team but never actually played in the <laughs> you know the city that she's yeah. coached. So um, uh, it's very nice to be able to head back west. I think the grounds out there are just, you know, unbelievable. And I think that's, again, what makes this competition so great is the, I guess, the different conditions, the, the different pitches that you're find yourself playing on it and Perth is probably one of the most unique I think in Australia with with the quick bouncy this nature of the wicket so certainly looking forward to, to getting back not only to the wicket but Lilac Hill as well as I think it's one of the most picturesque grounds going around you know it's very suited to, to the women's game great boundary sizes and generally really good wickets which are conducive to, to high scoring uh, games so look I, I can't wait to get back out there and, and in front of the, the Perth locals. And you speaking of the Perth locals we know that Lilac Hill's famous for its dog attendances <laughs> <laughs> you are looking forward to seeing that? Look, I've got to make an admission because Uh-oh. I'm not a massive animal person. Oh, no. <laughs> so, you know, I could have lied there and said, oh, yeah, I love dogs. Yeah. But people absolutely no, we want you to be honest. Put me out. So, look, I'm not a massive animal person, but I just love that, though. I know that um, a lot. I know Beth Mooney is absolutely, yeah, you know, a dog. Yeah, she'd be queen of the world. But, um well, I think it's a, a great initiative from from Perth in terms of being able to get people to bring dogs and families along. I think that that's what's unique about this tournament is it's sort of taking a different approach and a different angle to making feel people feel comfortable coming to cricket and you know opening it up to you know not only two-legged people but four-legged <laughs> people as well. I'm waiting to bring my sheep and my cows and the sheep. very Yes, make that happen, so. And has there been much chatter amongst the Scorchers girls before you all descend on Hobart or are you waiting to, to get down there before everyone sort of comes together? No, we've actually been really fortunate. It's obviously a pretty tricky time at the moment, I guess, obviously with a couple of our Aussie players busy um, at the moment, although it's finished now and, and I was over here in the UK, but we've actually managed to have a couple of Zoom calls, Teams calls um, over the last couple of weeks just to connect. I think everyone's probably getting pretty good on the old Zoom yeah. these days with <laughs> COVID going around. So it's been nice to be able to connect in that way and sort of just show our faces and, and start to, I guess, get a bit of a blueprint of, of how we want this season to pan out. But I guess nothing's quite like being together in person. So I don't think we can do that until we all get to Hobart. But look, I know we'll hit the ground running. And so we're just going to jump in with our Weber What's Cooking segment. We know Weber's come on board as the new sponsor of the 
WBBL this year. So we've been asking each of our guests to nominate their three dream barbecue guests that they'd like to um, have over. Can be absolutely oh. anyone. Yeah. Oh, anyone. this is great. <laughs> First one would have to be Adele. Adele. Yeah. Queen. Oh, 100%. She's entertainment. She's the singing. Yeah. She seems like she's an absolute hoot. Yeah, um, she would be. I'd probably go someone like a Barack Obama. Yeah. I feel like he'd have a few tales to tell. Yeah, a few um, pearls of wisdom. Yeah, I think he'd be he'd be pretty cool. And then, oh, who else would we go? I mean, family and stuff. <laughs> Catch up with them later. We can do that at any old, yeah, we could do that at any old barbecue at home. Um, oh, I'd probably go someone from back home in New Zealand. Oh, look. Uh, recent Olympics springs to mind and, and a single scale roller, rower Emma Twig was amazing she came fourth I think in two previous Olympics and smashed gold How good. in Tokyo so it would be pretty cool to, to share that you know share a barbecue share a few sauces and steaks <laughs> and have a yarn love it so that's so good and so you've just come off a series with the White Ferns against England how is that tour for you guys and do you feel like the squad's in a pretty good place ahead of that ODI World Cup in New Zealand yeah look I think it was if you look at the results probably weren't where we wanted to be but I think if you look a little bit deeper you'll see that we, we reflected on that and we should have you know we should have won six out of the eight games that we played against the English side it was just you know small momentum swings and, and learning how to win games of cricket which we're the first to admit that we haven't been as successful as we want to but I'm really proud of this group and, and the direction that we're heading in. Obviously, a World Cup not too far away. And to do so with a couple of strike players uh, not over in the UK, I, I was so impressed with with how particularly our bowlers stepped up over there playing against a, you know, a full-strength English side on the back of a full you know home season. And that was our first you know bit of cricket for, I think it was close to five or six months. You know, I, I've got some really pleasing signs uh, about this group. And, you know, we've got a big summer coming up. Obviously, I'm over here in the Big Bash, but, you know, back home there's, there's plenty of domestic cricket and hopefully another international series before the World Cup kicks off. Yeah, and speaking of the England tour, you obviously came back in after missing some of that series against Australia when you stepped away from the game. How important is it for athletes to be able to do that and look after themselves, particularly in these environments at the moment? Oh, look, I think it's massive and I think there seems to be a bit of a, a, a groundswell around this I don't want to say it's a movement. It's something that needs to happen and conversations need to happen around mental health and athletes are absolutely no different. You know, it's not just in the cricket environment. Look at the Olympics. You look at mm. Simone Biles, I think. You probably don't get much bigger than than her at the moment in terms of a global superstar and, and for her to be able to come out and, and talk as openly as she did, it hopefully opens doors to everyone else, not just, you know, athletes, but general public to, to speak up and reach out because, you know, the longer we try and stay behind closed doors or fighting these feelings I think well I certainly know it, it can boil over and, and get to an un- unhealthy point so look, for me it was I was really fortunate I had some incredible support from New Zealand Cricket our Players Association friends and family to be able to you know speak up and, and seek support which I needed to do because um, yeah it certainly wasn't sustainable and, and COVID has been bloody tough you know it's it's, it's not easy and, and everyone what anyone's going through is, is unique to them um, and how they handle it. Yeah, it's really hard to compare because it's a really tough time that we're living in. So the more these sort of conversation can start happening and we have that safe space to be able to talk to, whether you know it's in the changing rooms, whether it's you know over a drink, a cup of tea, 
I think they need to happen more and more. Yeah, that's really well said, Soph. And Amelia Kerr is obviously one that we'll miss seeing in the WBBL this season, and we certainly send her our best best wishes. Have you been in touch with Amelia at all throughout that New Zealand tour of England? Yeah, look, she, she's doing really well at the moment. I, I, again, I'm really proud of, of, I guess, her courage to be able to take time away and, um, you know, she's a really important part of our group and I know how much cricket means to her. So I, I know it was a really difficult decision, but again, yeah, proud that she's putting herself first. And that's certainly something in the white ferns that we pride ourselves on is that we care about the person first rather than the cricketer. So look, she's doing really well. I know she was back out in the park, actually just gone um, for our domestic team. I think pretty sure she scored a ton. So oh, that's, that's huge. Good sign. <laughs> Straight back into it. But um, yeah, oh, look, I know um, she would love to be here, but I think she's she's certainly made the right decision, making sure she's putting herself first. That's great to hear she's doing better. And the last time New Zealand hosted a one-day World Cup back in 2000, New Zealand won it. Do you have any memories of watching that event back at that point and, and what would it mean to you to play in a home World Cup? Oh, look, it, it's huge. I think it's certainly spoken about a lot back home, you know, not only because it was the last time we hosted, but it was also the only time that we've won a World Cup for any men's or women's team. So... Um, it's certainly something that's spoken about a lot. Us, us older folk uh, can certainly remember. I remember watching it on TV and it was probably one of the first uh, women's games of cricket I've ever saw. So that's certainly got me hooked in terms of knowing that there you know, was a women's cricket team in New Zealand and, and to have the success that they did. And I just remember watching... Uh, you know, the final catch, Rebecca Rose yeah. taking the court behind of Nicholson, you know, and the crowd, you know, rushing onto the field. I'm pretty sure that's not really loud anymore, especially with COVID yeah, and whatnot. But, you know, I just see those scenes replaying in my head about how special, and I know the former players that were involved in that, the, you know, just the immense joy and pride they had at that tournament and being able to relive their stories is pretty cool. But it would be nice to, I guess, write our own script with a World Cup at home next year. Yeah, awesome. And obviously you were down here in Australia when Australia hosted the T20 World Cup back in 2020, which was an unforgettable event for so many reasons. Is this something that you look at and think that you can bring to the people of New Zealand? Yeah, it's a really interesting one because obviously, uh, I mean, I'm not sure if we're going to get 86-odd thousand um, into our stadiums in New Zealand, but I think that's the really cool thing about I guess us hosting is we are so unique in terms of I guess not only our culture which I'm I am incredibly proud of and I can't wait to show I guess the Maori culture to the world but also our grounds um, and the people too like I think we're really fortunate we play at all seven venues across the country and each one is so beautiful in its own rights like particularly I've got to say Basin Reserve in Wellington I think is one of the best cricket grounds in the world not only because it's in my hometown, but but also, you know, the facilities, the actual wicket is, is outstanding for, for women's cricket. So uh, I just can't wait to see what New Zealand brings because I know it's going to be unique to us. We might not have the, the MCGs or the SCGs to pack out, but we've got the Hagley Parks, the Basin Reserves, Eden Park, which I know the Kiwi people love their sport and I'm sure they'll get in behind this tournament. Awesome. Is there started, started to be a bit of a buzz even among like your family and your friends about this major event coming to New Zealand? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know tickets have just gone on sale the last Huge. couple of weeks. So Plug that. Uh, yeah, it's great. So make sure you get on onto those websites to, to get your tickets now. Um, but as well, it's a huge time for women's sport in New Zealand. It's pretty incredible. We've actually got three World Cups in the space of two years. We've got the Cricket World Cup next year, then we've got the Rugby World Cup and then the Football World Cup in 2023, which is unbelievable. I, I haven't seen too many occasions where there's been three World Cups in one country in the space of, I think, 
18 months. So that as well has been huge. You know, women's sport, we absolutely love it. Um, and it seems to be really growing in popularity, not only in New Zealand, but around the world. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a huge time for, for female athletes. Huge. Might have to um, plan a move over to New Zealand, I reckon. <laughs> that sounds bloody so. awesome. <laughs> so if it was abs- our absolute pleasure to have you on The Scoop. We love chatting to you and we wish you all the very best with the Scorchers and, of course, with the White Ferns in this upcoming World Cup. Chat to you soon. Yes, thanks heaps, guys. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.